Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole. I've been thinking about that saying, I know you've heard it, every day you should do one thing that scares you. Honestly, most of me is like, that is some crap advice. <laughs> if I followed it, I would be a ball of anxiety laying on the floor <laughs> because that's a whole lot to ask of someone. And like, I get that you can do smaller things that scare you, but also, you know, what's really good some days is to just do things that are comfortable to you and enjoy that. It's a good feeling, right? So I don't think I agree with the saying. That said, there does seem to be this other part of me that kind of does dig it because lately I've been doing a whole slew of things that scare me. And if I try to look into why am I doing this, it's more or less because I'm like, I don't know, I've never tried to do anything like this and I feel like I probably can't, but maybe I can. So let's see. <laughs> Honestly, the podcast generally is one of those things. And this episode is definitely one of those things. It's an episode where there's no guest. It's just me. The episode was actually inspired because some of you lovely listeners out there have asked to know more about my own experience. Since a lot of the time it is about the guest, but you guys wanted to know more about, well, how did I get here and what was it like for me along the way? This episode is my attempt to answer it, or at least to give you a quick overview. I mentioned a couple of times in the episode that there are some areas that I touch on that I would love to go deeper into, some topics that I would really like to speak with someone about as an episode, but I didn't really feel it was appropriate to just dive into my own opinions about them <laughs> on this episode alone. So keep your ears out for that. The other thing that I'm doing that scares me a whole lot is the live show. <laughs> so this upcoming Monday, September 30th in Freiburg, I'm hosting a podcasting event as a part of International Podcast Day. There's going to be a panel discussion about podcasts with me and another local Freiburg podcast called Jung und Freudlos. And we're going to follow that up with a live taping of the expat cast. The topic is actually going to be the American dream. Is it more viable in Germany these days? Question mark. <laughs> and the guest is a local entrepreneur who has his own small business and his own family. He's American, but he lives in Freiburg. And he and I are going to dive into that topic, which I'm also pretty excited to cover. If you are in Freiburg or the area, please come out to the event. It's at 6.30 at the Carl Schutz House, the German American Center. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. If you're not in the Freiburg area, but you want to participate in International Podcast Day, whether you're a podcast host yourself or just a fan, go check out the International Podcast Day website because there are events going on across the world and online that you can partake in. Okay, I think I can't talk about this topic anymore without getting lost in my mental to-do list of things I have to get done before this live show. Slash, if I keep talking about it, I'm going to keep thinking about the fact that it's going to happen and then it's going to make me really nervous. So I'm going to stop myself right now. And yeah, in the spirit of doing things that scare you, even if that saying is kind of crap, here is the episode with me, myself, and I. My name is Nicole Palazzo. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I'm living in Freiburg, Germany, where I've been for about two years. 
And it's funny because I normally tell the short version of my expat journey, the three sentence elevator pitch style, here's how I ended up here. But this episode is all about having the space to really dive into it. So I guess I'll take us back to my first experience abroad, which was in 2012. I did a month long study abroad in this beautiful village in Italy called Spoleto, which is a little bit north of Rome. I remember even just on the first van ride from the airport to this town that we were staying in, something started to change in me. And let me say this program was super insulated. It was like 25 students from the college I was attending in South Carolina, plus two of our professors. So we went to class in the village and we, you know, had lunch there, went grocery shopping, etc. But we lived in this villa up on the hill removed from the community. So this was in no way like an integration experience. There was no learning of Italian. There was no learning of the local culture, really. I was exposed to it, but I wouldn't say that I was really integrated into it. But even so, just that environment did something to me. And I remember there was this amazing view overlooking the valley behind Spoleto. And you could see all these different villages in the distance. And one of them was Assisi, which I grew up Catholic. And so one of the saints is uh, St. Francis of Assisi. And having grown up, hearing that phrase again and again, and then being able to look out and see the place that, that it was referencing was just so otherworldly to me. It was just incredible. And I, oh, I can't tell you how much I loved that view. And I remember sitting there one night and thinking, I am the best version of myself that I have ever been. I am the person that I've hoped to be my whole life. I'm the person that I've worked towards being. And it felt really good. And I couldn't say what was making it happen at that point. I remember also when it was time to leave this program, I went on a walk alone and was walking out over this ancient bridge overlooking this incredible mountain scenery, listening to Coldplay. (laughs) And I started crying because of the lyrics. And then I was also mad at myself for crying about Coldplay lyrics. I don't even really know what the lyrics were anymore. I'd have to look it up. But I just remember feeling devastated because I was pretty afraid that this wonderful version of myself that I'd reached was going to stay in Italy and that this was it. I wasn't ready to leave. I wasn't ready to leave this behind. And I wasn't ready for this to be over. So I promised myself it doesn't matter how and it doesn't matter when. But my business here is not finished. I don't know what form it'll take, but I will come back to Europe and keep exploring this experience, this whatever I should call it. So good, I wrap up life there. I head back home. At that point, home was in South Carolina in Charleston on the coast. And I finished college, got a job. It was a startup. I I sort of spent a couple years climbing the ladder there, getting really entrenched in American corporate culture. And I really loved it at first. I'm someone who really loves a challenge and I really like to succeed and achieve. And I was able to do all those things. But after a while, it's just this constant grind and I started to see holes in it and I wasn't happy. So I decided that every day that I had where I felt really frustrated beyond an acceptable amount, I would do one thing, no matter how big or small, to change my life. So one of those things was going into the public library and asking the staff there what their experience was like and how they found the career, what they thought of it, etc. 
and through that, I, I totally fell in love with the idea of becoming a public librarian. So I, I packed up my life in South Carolina, moved to Chicago, where there was a program in library and information science. Because unfortunately, in the United States, if you want to work in a public library and do anything beyond put the books back on the shelf, you have to get a master's degree. So then I was living in Chicago. But plot twist. <laughs> The very last weekend that I lived in Charleston, a guy asked me out <laughs> and it was a friend of a friend uh, who was visiting from Germany. We'd met before and really hit it off, but, you know, I was living in America. He was living in Germany. How could either of us really think that this was a thing that could happen? So try to, you know, take it at surface level. But at some point along the line, we had to admit that our feelings were strong quite strong so he asked me to dinner in a really cute fashion and I said yes and we kissed and it was magical but that whole weekend my family was in town to help me move across the country and he flew back to Germany like days later so we didn't go to dinner <laughs> that summer between moving out and starting grad school I couldn't tell you and wouldn't want to admit it even if I could how many hours we spent on Skype <laughs> We had come up with a plan that he would come to visit his friends and family in America over the holidays that year. But at some point, we admitted that that was far too far away for how close we were feeling to each other. So we booked last minute tickets to Ireland because <laughs> it was halfway. Actually, no. Plan A was we were going to meet up in Iceland because that was sort of halfway. But when we were looking into it, we were like, Jesus, this is expensive. Neither of us really had money at this time, or if we did, we needed it for other things. So we, even more last minute, changed Iceland to Ireland because <laughs> it was far cheaper to stay there. And we decided to just play it off. It was like a typo, you know, Iceland, Ireland, they're one letter apart. It was just, yeah, we met Ireland the whole time. <laughs> so we met up for a couple days in Ireland, and suffice to say... That's my boyfriend. That's Gordon, who I credit in every episode as my partner in podcasting and in life. After that visit in Ireland, we were together for two years, super long distance, and we would only be able to see each other for, you know, a week or two here or there over months. So there would be months where we just wouldn't see each other at all. But despite all those challenges and barriers, I guess love and sheer force of will were enough to pull us through and we stuck it out, stayed together. There is an episode that I released on Valentine's Day of 2019 called Long Distance Relationships, and I'll link to that in the show notes. If anyone's interested in my feelings about being in a long distance relationship or what I learned through that, how I got through that, how we got through that, you can check that out. So despite how tough it was, because believe me, it was tough, it was worth it. At the end of two years, I had finished my master's degree Actually, in the middle of those two years of long distance, I was able to spend a whole summer in Germany. So I visited once before, and then between semesters of grad school, I spent a summer in the Bodensee region, which it is so incredibly beautiful. I mean, I can't imagine how anyone could see that place and then not want to move to Germany. It is insane. The Bodensee is also called the Constance in English. And it is a pretty big lake that connects Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. So where we were living, you could see the Swiss Alps on a clear day. I had a really weird experience during these months, though. So we were living in this tiny, tiny village. Actually, the Bodensee area has some bigger cities, but for the most part, it is one tiny village after the next. 
And there's not a ton to do unless you have a car and can travel around, but I didn't. I actually didn't even have keys to the place we were staying at. <laughs> we were staying with family of Gordon's and yeah, I just, I never had a key. So sometimes I would sneak out through the window to go on runs, but otherwise I kind of stayed on the property during the day and they had five cats and we lived in the basement. So I always refer to that as my super recluse time in life when I was literally just trapped in a basement with a bunch of cats. But honestly, it was great. It was so great. My German at this point was about the A2 level, which is not bad, but it really was not enough to communicate. I mean, the family we were staying with every night at dinner, they would have these big, loud discussions with a lot of back and forth, and they would debate all these topics. And I was not able to keep up. I was not able to contribute much to those conversations. But I'm sure for my language learning and immersion and all that, it must have been helpful, I guess. But it was a weird experience, right? Because I was in Germany. I was having all these magical moments. But I also, again, sort of like my time in Italy, wasn't really that integrated. I wasn't really that independent. I was pretty off on my own. But that being said, as said, it was a beautiful area. I loved that house. I loved the family we were with. We would spend all of our free time going to swim in these different lakes and eating just the best food and, of course, drinking that great German beer. So, yeah, suffice it to say that piece of my heart that I'd left back in Europe was pretty pleased to be reunited with the rest of me. I had a great time. Then I went back to Chicago, finished up grad school, and after I wrapped up my degree, I had a really tough choice to make. So at this point, Gordon had tried to move to America for me, and it hadn't really worked out. So then I had the thought, well, why don't I try living there? I had such a great experience when I was there for the summer. Why not give it a go? At this point, my German was probably B1 level. So, um, you know, I'm getting there. <laughs> So I decided to apply for jobs in Germany as well as in America. And I didn't really think it would work out <laughs> because I made this deal with myself. If you're catching on, I make a lot of deals with myself. The deal was I had just spent two years and all of my savings on a degree in library and information science in public libraries in America, specifically to work with teenagers. So I had a really specific job. It's not exactly transportable. So what was I going to do? I was determined not to just give that up. I said, you know what? I will move to Germany, but only if I can stay in this field, in libraries at least. It doesn't need to be teenagers specifically, but libraries. So after a vigorous job hunt, I was faced with multiple job offers in Chicago, which were really good jobs. One of them was actually, honestly, my dream job. Or my one job offer in Germany, which was for a Bundesfreiwilligendienst, which is a federally sponsored gap year. So what that meant was I could work at this German-American cultural center in their library, but I would only be receiving a couple hundred euros a month, and it was a one-year contract. I'll get more into this Bundesfreiwilligendienst in a moment, but just to focus on that decision for a minute, I mean, that was a pretty pivotal moment in my life. One of the things that I thought through a lot was how I started on this whole path in the first place. And a lot of that was a rejection of the American workplace culture and this idea of achievement and career achievement being the only thing that matters. And I knew that 
I had it in myself to love that kind of challenge, but I also knew that it wasn't a sustainable solution for happiness for me. So that was really one of the arguments that tipped me over to try this thing out in Germany. The other thing was it was only a one-year contract. It was a chance to try it out, see if I liked it, see if I could live abroad emotionally, if I could handle it, if I could handle being so far from my family and friends, if I could take being in a different culture, see how far my German could get, see if it would be at a point where I could get a real job later. So the way I sort of justified it all to myself was, A, this whole career change, life change was all about chasing your your happiness and your passions in the first place. So am I really just going to turn back to the old standards of the highest salary or the job title with the most prestige? And B, it's temporary. So I took the job and I moved on over. <laughs> so Bundesfreiwilligendienst, what the heck is that? As said, in my case, that meant working in an American cultural center in their library for one year as sort of an assistant or an intern. So I had real responsibilities, but it was also limited and the pay was horrible. But I was able to get a visa through that. Generally, Bundesfreiwilligendienst is a program created for actually typically teenagers who are finishing their high school education and aren't quite sure what they want to do next. So this is their chance to go out into the working world, try out a job, see what it's like to actually be working every day nine to five, and learn what they want and don't want. However, it is also open to foreigners. You just have to get the job offer. So it's not very frequent that people take this path into moving to Germany. I like to mention it because it's something that's out there that is an option if you're someone who's looking to move to Germany. However, there are a lot of cons to it, right? There's not that many positions. You have to speak a decent amount of German and you're not going to get paid much at all. You can't live off of the money that you'll be receiving. Another thing with the program is that you have to go to these week-long seminars, I think five times throughout the year. And the idea, again, with these younger people who are doing these positions, it's for them to learn life skills. It's for them to be exposed to different things in their country and in their home state. For me, it was just super weird. Like, it was a bunch of 18-year-olds who were just super giddy to be hanging out together. I was 25 at the time, and it was just really not my thing. It was great integration, but also being so deep in the language 24-7 for five days in a row was a lot for me. Because in my job, I was at a German-American center. We were half of the time in English, half of the time in German. Though actually, in my case, it was definitely way more English than German. So these week-long seminars were really a lot for me. And we did weird things too. Like I, again, since I didn't really know what they were saying half the time, I would just follow the group. And one time we went downstairs, got blankets out of a closet, and then went into the basement and had like a group nap time, which I think in retrospect was supposed to be meditation. But yeah, everyone was just napping together in the middle of the day. Another time we got on a train, went to a town called Baden-Baden, and went into a TV studio. And I knew we were going to the TV studio, but I didn't really know what we would do there. Turns out we were in the audience for this game show called Sag die Wahrheit, uh, which I think there's an American version. I think it's called To Tell the Truth. The idea is that three people pretend to be the same person. So let's say Jane Smith. She's a farmer. 
all of these people pretend to be Jane Smith, and then the judges ask them different questions and try to identify who the real Jane Smith is. I didn't understand any of this. <laughs> so in my case, the first person to go on the show was like a model plane flyer. I don't really know. It was bizarre. And then at the end, this guy made his model plane fly around the audience and like do this weird dance to this Schlager song, this weird German music. It was it was so weird. So my experience in these seminars was just bizarre, to say the least. <laughs> but overall, the year really worked for me. I did get way better in German. I did have the chance to build a foundation of a life here. And another cool thing was I was working in an American cultural center. So every day people were coming in who were German, American, British, or literally any nationality. People living in Freiburg from all over the world would come to this library and they all had different reasons for being there. Some were Germans who wanted to improve their English, some were Americans who wanted to find content from their home, or people from other English-speaking countries that wanted to find content in their mother tongue. But then there were also people who were from Iran, but there's no Iranian cultural center. But they spoke fluent English and they were still learning German, so even this level of having a connection to their second language was comforting when they were so deep in trying to learn their third language or fourth or whatever it might be in that person's case. And I just loved getting to know these people. Of course, I was in a professional setting, so I couldn't ask them too many questions. But as you may have caught on, one of my favorite things to do in life is to ask people semi-invasive questions about their life. Like, I just want to know everything about everyone. <laughs> so when it was appropriate to know a little bit more, I would get little glimpses into these people's lives and between their stories that were just so fascinating to me, to the resources that they pointed me to. It was all just so helpful, and that's actually what inspired me to start this podcast. I thought, this is such a unique position that I'm in as someone new to the country in the center. How can I share that with other people? So my librarian heart kicked into gear, <laughs> and I started making this podcast to gather resources and community for people all over. Because I've mentioned in another episode, I had this fear, this nightmare version of events, where instead of moving to Freiburg, we had moved to one of these villages on the Bodensee, because there, there's not American cultural centers. There's not a ton of international people. And that connection was so vital to me. I mean, the first year living abroad is so tough. We actually also have an episode about that. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But man, it is rough. And this was a lifeline for me. And so many things about Freiburg are what got me through. And I, I don't know how I would have done it without them. If, if I were in a smaller town that didn't have these things, I don't know how I would have done it. So this whole show is just a big dedication to this alternate version of reality me who is stuck off in a dwarf somewhere in the Bodensee and desperate for connection. So that's how this podcast started. <laughs> After my Bundesfreiwilligendienst ended, or actually while it was still ongoing but starting to end, I went on the job hunt. It was miserable. That was probably the lowest point that I've had in my expat journey. I mean, man, I'd already humbled myself to go from management positions, being the top of my class in grad school, having all these job offers, all of this prestige, all of these things that made me feel so confident were gone. And they were so much a part of my identity. 
And here I was applying to jobs in Germany in German. At this point, I'm at maybe B2 level of German, which is quite good, but it's still not quite good enough to work in a public-facing career. So I thought I was going to have to give up libraries if I wanted to stay. And at this point, I, I loved Freiburg. I loved Germany. I loved what this life was doing to me and for me. And I didn't want to give it up and move back to America. That much I knew. Even in my darkest moments, I wanted to be here. And it was really hard to explain to people because I seemed pretty miserable. I actually remember once some friends were visiting from out of town and they asked me how the job hunt was going and how things generally were going for me here in Freiburg if I liked it here. And I was so depressed that day. And we were speaking in German. So I remember saying, well, I like Freiburg. I just don't think Freiburg likes me. But we were speaking German, and so they didn't know what I was trying to say. And my boyfriend had to translate for me. And it was just so frustrating and sad. And I knew I was being kind of melodramatic, but also it's how I felt. But even in those moments, even when I felt like Freiburg didn't like me, I wanted to stay and I wanted to make it work. That's a topic that I haven't gotten into on the podcast yet, but I would love to do an episode about it. Not just how you get a job in Germany, but what that experience is like and what that feeling is to think that I might have to give up this part of myself that's so important to me and I'm okay with giving it up. I've decided that my priorities are somewhere else, but man, does that still hurt. So if anyone's listening to this and thinking, oh my God, that's my experience exactly, please, please email me. I would love to do an episode about that. Luckily, in my case, that experience actually only went on for about two months. In the moment, it felt like eternity and it felt like it was never going to end, but it ended pretty quickly overall. And believe it or not, I managed to find a job as a manager in a library. So it was actually a position that I was perfectly qualified for, regardless of language, regardless of location. You could have taken out this whole move abroad away and this would have been a natural career step for me. And the fact that I was able to do that in Germany after only a year of living there I am so grateful. And it was a lot of luck. It was also because I'm very qualified and because I'm very good at the work I do. So I'm not trying to undervalue myself. I just know there's plenty of other qualified expats out there who don't get so lucky to find a position like that in the place that they want to be, let alone get offered that job. So by some miracle, (laughs) it happened to me. The downside was it took five months between the job offer and start date because the Germans love paperwork and my job was technically for the government and so they have a whole nother level of bureaucracy that they have to operate under. Makes perfect sense, but it was pretty frustrating because they wanted things including my high school, college, and grad school transcripts, both original and officially translated. They wanted my master's degree recognized. That was a whole process in and of itself. That took a couple months and I had to pay a bunch of money for that. And I needed a work visa. And anyone who's gotten a work visa in Germany knows they don't want to give you a work visa without a job contract. But most employers will not give a job contract without a work visa. So you're in a devil's Christ, as they call it in German. (laughs) I fought my way through all that paperwork, though, and... That is actually one that we did do an episode about. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. So I was just sitting around and at one point my old job ended. So I had three months of unemployment. But at the same time, I was fighting with various agencies on both sides of the Atlantic to get my paperwork in order. And at the same time, I was trying to get my German level up to at least a C1 so I could feel more confident starting in this job. And 
I was just sitting around because I didn't have a lot of money back then. So I couldn't just go traveling for a couple months. I couldn't just take myself on a lot of little adventures around town. I needed to watch every penny because I did not qualify for unemployment. I'd only lived and worked in Germany for a year, and I believe unemployment benefits start after two. So I was out of luck. I already didn't have a lot of money because I'd paid for a graduate degree in America and then financed a year of living on pennies <laughs> during this Bundesfreiwilligendienst. And now here I was three months without income, without the ability to do other jobs because I also asked if I could like waitress or something just to make some money to get through and that was not allowed. So yeah, it was a little stressful. <laughs> But at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, the paperwork came through and I was able to start my job. Then cue another whole crazy experience, starting my first job in a German company, in this case, a German library, because the workplace culture is so different. On the plus side, it's very different in the way that work-life balance really does exist. My work life and my private life are totally divided. I don't have a single phone number of any co-worker. They cannot contact me at home. I cannot contact them at home. When we leave work, we leave work. Done. That is a huge difference that I've loved. One of the downsides is people are way more distant. Not in a bad way necessarily. It's just really different for me because in America, people are always talking about, yeah, at this company or at this organization, we're really not like coworkers. We're like a family, honestly. We're just that close. And in America, that's a good thing. People like this feeling. But in Germany, I can go hours without seeing another person. If I'm just up in my office and they're off in their offices, <laughs> we don't see each other. And when we do see each other, we're not asking about each other's personal lives. <laughs> so learning how to adjust to that and how to fit in socially, how to pick up on the different social cues that are communicated implicitly and not explicitly, at the same time also speaking German all day, every day, there's no English. It's been an adjustment. But through that process, I've become truly fluent in German. I mean, my German's still not perfect. Gosh, I had a presentation today that went terribly. So, you know, not every day is great, but I can honestly say that I'm comfortable in most situations. I can handle things on my own. The language isn't the issue anymore. So that brings us to today. I'm a little over two years in Germany and coming up on one year on the job. I've also been doing this podcast for over a year now, and for me, I'm so driven by community, by building community, by giving back to my community, and it's just been so rewarding to build a community, and I'm able to help connect people to resources that they need and give people these feelings of, oh, I've been through that too, oh, I'm not alone. And in this episode, I wanted to take the moment to put my own story out there. I've actually never sat down and told my story beginning to end without interruption, without it being in conversation. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm feeling kind of weird right now. But in a way, it's really nice because it helps me contextualize it all. And it's really incredible to be sitting here today sharing with you guys the story that by all means is a success story. I just had so many moments where I didn't think that's how things were going to go for me. And I was trying to accept that. It was really hard, but I was trying to accept it. And honestly, I'm just glad that I didn't have to accept it. I'm really, I'm really glad that things worked out the way they did. 
and I'm glad that I stuck with it because as much credit as I can give to luck and to privilege and to all of these things, which are definitely super relevant, none of this could have been possible if I'd given up, if I'd put myself in a corner, if I'd stopped pushing. So I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity to, to share it all with you, both in the hopes that I'm providing other people with these moments of, oh my gosh, I felt this way too. Doesn't matter where in my story you might have had that moment, but I'm hoping that you had it. Or if you didn't, I would love to hear from you because I would love to hear your story and hear how different it is. Normally, we wrap up the show with our ending segment, which is called Zek, Zek, Zek. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask my guests three questions that they answer without thinking it, overthinking it, just go with their gut. But I don't know how to do this because it's just me talking to myself. You know what? I didn't think about this at all before I started. So I'm just going to ask myself three questions and then I'm going to answer them. <laughs> I am recording this episode on the tail end of summer. So what has been my go-to summer drink? My answer would be... Radler. Yeah, Swiss Radler, which is a sweet beer mixture where they mix beer with Sprite or lemonade. It's really good, and I've always undervalued it as a drink, and I've gotten real into it lately. Okay, next question. What's one book that you would recommend to expats in Germany? I read a couple books by a man called Adam Fletcher. He writes these really funny bilingual books. So the front half of the book is the story or the articles in English, and then the back half of the book is the same articles in German. And they're things like, how one becomes German and it's all about wearing house shoes and throwing a lot of grill parties and it's super funny but also like really great cultural commentary and I really had a blast reading them and they were helpful for German learning so I would recommend those I'll link to those in the show notes <laughs> and question number three what is your least favorite part of hosting a podcast I'm asking this because least favorite part has for a long time been recording the intros and outros because normally in the podcast I'm interviewing someone, I'm talking with them. It's super natural and fun, but the intros and outros I record alone and I always feel like such an idiot just talking to myself and that's how I feel right now because I've been sitting here talking to myself for a while. <laughs> so yeah, those parts. <laughs> But hopefully me doing my least favorite thing and talking to myself for a long time was worth it. I hope you got something out of this episode and I hope it answered some questions about who I am. So thanks for giving me the chance to be a guest on my own podcast. <laughs> thanks to all my listeners who made it all the way through to the end. If you have any feedback about this episode, I would love to hear it. You can always reach out to me at theexpatcast at gmail.com or on social media on Instagram or Twitter at theexpatcast. Please also don't hesitate to reach out if you heard some of my story and relate it to it or totally did not relate to it and want to come on the show and talk about your reaction or dive into one of these topics that I mentioned. I would really love that. Speaking of things that I would totally super duper love, Please leave the Expat Cast a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. 
I am a little tiny DIY podcast. I make this alone in my basement. So those ratings and reviews mean the world to me, both emotionally, they are my motivation to keep going, and they also are super helpful for the show to help it grow. Next week is my live show. I'm hoping to get that episode out to you by next Thursday. And if I don't manage to do that, then you're going to have a surprise episode. So hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and I'll be back in your ears on Thursday. Till then, have a great week. Tschüss.